Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome back to the dark forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, jackiecation.com. You can see my schedule. I'll be uh, back on the road again at some point. Who knows? I'm always on the road. I'm always doing shows. Come and see some stand-up comedy people. There's a donation button. You've been using it. You haven't been using it. Uh, I like it when you use it. I appreciate it if you've used it in the past. You know there's a new Dork Forest t-shirt that Maria Bamford is... Uh, She's on my merch page. She happened to come the day they arrived, so I took some pictures of her in it, and... You can order those T-shirts. You can also order a hooded sweatshirt if you want, but know in your heart that you're pre-ordering it because I am not Walmart. I don't keep them in stock, but I will. Uh, I will get them for you in a timely fashion. Anyway, in other news, um, we got the websites. We got the we got the merch. Uh, we got, uh, oh, I know. How about the credits? Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg just sang. He'll sing again at the end. And Vilmos uh, is fixing the website, doing a great job. Sitting across from me. A guy that I call Sax, and I always think of Sax, but it's Sean, Allen, Xavier. Xavier, Carr. Welcome to the program. Hi, and you, can, you guys can all call me Sax, too. It's Excellent. just so much easier than Sean, Allen, Xavier. You have, you're on two podcasts, and I've done one of them. Uh, I have nine podcasts. You have nine podcasts, and I've done one of them. What, yeah. do you hate me? What's the, happening? Well, uh, it, there is, it's, it's just finding time in your busy schedule. Oh, fair. I, it, it, that's true. There's a copious amounts of free time. But Pizza, the Games, and Zombies yeah. I did, and that was a, where we gamed. We yeah. actually played a board game and hang, hung out. And ate pizza. PizzaGamesAndZombies.com. And it, we, that, that, that one's got the most restrictive format. It's literally we play a board game, we talk about zombies, and we uh, play a board game, talk about zombies, and we eat pizza. And we right. review all three. If I remember correctly, you didn't have pizza that night. No, I don't. What, we did we not eat? Because that doesn't sound like me. Right. It doesn't sound like me either. Yeah. I'm having a cashew as we talk. Uh, anyway, so, but, and then you have one called Fandom Planet. Yeah, Fandom Planet is my All-encompassing. Flagship. That's the yeah. flagship? That's the one you really, that's you're well, really into? Me and Tim Powers, who's, you know, my, my, my preferred co-host, if one can make such a determination without insulting all his other friends. Right. And um, it's, uh, it's basically, that one's you about... You can't, by the way. Yeah. No, I can't. Um, but, but he's a good guy. He's one of your friends. Yeah. And you like him. Uh, and, and we have good chemistry. And we're, He's an old radio man, and so we sort of have a Is good... Is there sexual chemistry? Are yeah. you guys just sitting across from each other going, when will they kiss? Well, when? Yeah, both of us are waiting to see who can be the, the closest approximation of Grimace in a, in a daily basis. They're both vaguely pear-shaped men. Um, <laughs> good Lord. So in the event that either of us were like to start suffocating, I think we would get Grimace or, you know, Violet Beauregard on the way out the door. Who's Violet Beauregard? She's the girl who eats a blueberry in um, uh, oh. Willy Wonka. Who knew her last name? Not me. <laughs> I do. All right. Um, so she, uh, she, yes. Now we're talking about Violet Beauregard. Mm-hmm, no. Mm-hmm. Phantom Planet, it, we started out, uh, we were originally, like, we're, we're part of Comics on Comics Radio, which was a podcast that from the same guys that did Comics on Comics to, like, Comic book and com- comic creators. Right, right. Not yeah. to be confused with comics and comics. Right. The last episode with Tom Frank. Rather unfortunately similarly named. It is because there's the and and the or. But comics or comics. Comics, no. Not, not comics or comics. We're not, making for, we're not forcing <laughs> people to make the choice. <laughs> Please pick. I'm sorry. There's comics and. Comics and comics. And, oh, and comics it. on comics. Which is great because people confuse it all the time. But if you think about it, and and on do not mean the same thing. They I do not. Say, like, 
hey, Jackie, it's really great that you have that hat and today. <laughs> <laughs> but yet somehow people can confuse them. Right. I'm wearing my Venture Brothers hat. It's yes. a Sergeant Hatred. Right. And uh, on, I'm wearing a hat as well. See, again, they're not the same words. They're not. No. And But, the, okay, so the comics on comics people are gone? Is that no, what I'm they're, hearing? They're back. Oh, they, were, oh, they on, took a break. Comics on Comics uh, did two seasons, and that, that format, I think you were on one of those, was basically... I did. Comic book creators and comedians in sort of a round table. And I was the producer there for a while, or I was a producer there, and I was also a regular host there. And they spun off a radio show, which was the audio version of it that I was doing, with Tim Powers. And then eventually they needed to go into sabbatical. They changed formats. And as a result, we um, Tim and I spun off Fandom Planet. And we it's really, it, for, for me, I love comics, but I also love nearly everything else. Right, so Fandom <laughs> Planet can be anything. Right. It can be anything you're a fan of. Here's my new Here's my new decision that I've made uh, recently, <laughs> which was that if you wear a football jersey to a football game, mm-hmm. you are LARPing. That's true. It's true, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a costume. You're wearing a costume. You're yes. hoping to get put in the game right. in the midst of it all. And uh, Aaron Foley. Aaron Foley was my guest. That's where it came up. Mm-hmm. And I gave her... Um, she had uh, what she called what did she call it a dream sequence. I don't mm-hmm. think she's using that term right, but it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, it was her dream. It's like it's when when you're playing in your imagination, right? And you're like, if I could do anything, right? What would it be? And mm-hmm. she would be dressed as a New York Giant sitting on the sidelines with a buttery roll mm-hmm. in her hand, and she would eat that buttery roll, and then she would be called into the game, and then she would win the the pass winning. The, she's wide receiver. Mm-hmm. She would win the catch. She would catch the the winning pass mm-hmm. um, from one of the Manning brothers, okay. and then uh, and then uh, coming down the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Would be Halle Berry and a giant bottle of booze, and uh, I. I was waiting for the buttery roll to get a call back there somewhere. No, no, she just—that's her favorite food—is <laughs> okay. a buttery roll. All right, no, so she just wanted to throw it in there when she could. Right. So I was trying to think what mine was, and it mm-hmm. has something to do with either Ender's Game or La Femme Nikita mm-hmm. and chicken. So uh, that's all I've got. Um, I, have, I have a recurring fantasy, if you will. I don't know if it's a dream because I don't think I've ever dreamt it right. of being mugged and then suddenly gaining like ninja level skills. That's some, it. Yeah, That's for some it. reason I fight off the muggers with like my backpack and cell phone as implements to that effect. <laughs> so sort of like in, That's so, it. yeah, in the form of like the transporter, you know, I'm tying people up in backpacks things and like striking them in the face with my cell phone. I don't know sure. why I find that so charming, but I think about it all the time. Well, that that those are your those are your uh, those are your weapons. Those yeah. are your weapons of choice. I always have my backpack on me and I always got yeah. my cell phone on me. Which which it seems underflattering, but it's not. It's really it's a it's a it's a way to go. It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. It's um that's why I think I just want the government to force me to work out. Uh, that's why, you know, that's what Ender's Game and La Femme Nikita are. Right. You were forced to work out and get in really good shape, it right. turns out, and then become super sexy. Not that Ender was sexy because he was a boy. Right. Uh, kind of child. Anyway. Um, uh, well, I, w- I would say that, that uh, to speak to LARPing, mm-hmm. um, there's a fantastic sketch people should look up by um, Mitchell and Webb, which is a British sketch team about uh, football fandom where this guy comes into his office and his friend is all dressed in the football jersey. This is soccer in this case. Right. All these, like, the entire office is decked out in memorabilia, and he's talking about how, like, we won the game and you lost. And he goes, like, we, you. And he goes on to say, like, oh, does that mean that I was, you know, along with Indiana Jones, the heroes in the Raiders of the Lost Ark because I love it so much? (laughs) Yes. In many ways, we put ourselves in the things that we're fans of. So, you know, in Avengers vs. X-Men right now, I'm an Avenger, I've decided. Oh, have you? Disagrees with me as an X-Men and deserves to be. 
Oh, because have you? T- I, you know, I'm not following that thread because there were too many crossovers yeah. in the comic book world, and I'm like. I don't want them to fight. Well, no, uh, we can't actually untangle them, so they're actually just staying crossed. So now that's why they keep doing events in which they are all crossed over because no one remembers where anyone goes anymore. So if they stop right. doing events, what did what did did the Avengers? Did, uh, someone was telling me that their greatest fear, and it seems sadly like it's going to be true, is that Scott Summers will, at the end of this comic book crossover, be a bad guy. I would say it's more along the lines of it's a it's a study of obsession. Because like he's you know trying to defend, fight for his people, right? And hope the this you know young mutant who's the first mutant born after M Day, the Messiah, yeah, um, is is possibly going to be the host for the Phoenix Force. And so they're like, well, if she becomes the Phoenix, she'll kill us all. And he's like, I don't care. I'd rather her exist and take that risk. And that's what the whole fight is about. And so it's like what's probably going to end up happening, which is how he's going to be so vilified, is he's going to end up like sleeping with her because he's already gone. He's already moved from Jean Grey to Emma Frost. I'm right. sure Rogue was somewhere along on the way and uh, and he's gonna like you know because hope's an adult now because she was in the future where she grew up which happens in comics a lot people grow up in the future wait but wasn't cable who raised her his son uh yes and isn't hope his granddaughter uh i don't remember who's i don't think i don't think hope i mean she she would be his granddaughter like by familiar understanding but i don't think she's actually genetically related to him oh she is not no i think hope is from different parents i don't i don't i don't know maybe i maybe i missed that part i felt like hope was just happened to be born a mutant somewhere in the globe and wasn't just and like cable was given control of her no, and he stole her and took her into the future where but didn't scott that. send her I thought uh, that Scott sent her. Yeah, there's, there's a whole there's a whole like weather like X Force, the new like paramilitary X Force. But they they he then later sent X Force to get her back. It's not really clear what's going on. All there's right. There's a lot of writers and they're always passing things on and little mm-hmm, little facts mm-hmm. like slip through the mix. Right. I you know I forgot that it was about hope. <laughs> I remembered it being about hope. I remember because um, there's something in comic books where the artists can only draw like four different women. Yes. And. They're like, well, these are the women that have red hair, and these are the women that have <laughs> yeah. black hair, and these are the women that have blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And you're like, guys, uh, I mean, granted, the, Sean Phillips, who who draws for Ed Brubaker, yeah, he draws that one guy. There's just <laughs> yeah. that one square-jawed guy who mm-hmm. is a bad guy usually, uh, yeah. but he looks like he's all dreamy in mm-hmm. a in a in a drawing kind of way. So it's just, I mean. I don't know. I don't mean to be bossy magoo about other people's drawing skills because I can't. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I'm with you. Well, I, I definitely, you know, recently was impelled when someone was, was sort of like going on another thing about how women are portrayed in comics. And don't get me wrong. There's a million reasons why women are portrayed poorly in comics. But you know who's never in comics? Fat people. There's like the four of them. There's like the blob and mm-hmm. the slug. Well, Great Lakes Avengers. That's true. There's, there's, <laughs> uh, there's um, what is her name? Miss something. Oh, who's Miss a supermodel? Yeah, and then and, and, and she then becomes she becomes super large fat. and mm-hmm. then super powerful. But there's not very many, and it's it's almost to the point where I don't begrudge superheroes for wearing spandex because if I lived in that world where everyone was that hot, that's the business I would get into. Right. Like fuck cotton. I would right. Not, I mean, like no one wants to buy it. Everyone looks awesome all the time. Of course I'm going to sell the most form hung you know. And, right. And so it bothers me sometimes that like like the, the I even feel like the people on the street are always beautiful. Like that right. makes sense. Well, in top ten, that old Alan Moore mm-hmm. series. Um, 
they had all different kinds of people because everybody had superpowers and they had to, you know, express that. And right. so if everybody has superpowers, then unattractive people must have superpowers. Right. And I'm saying unattractive in the way that uh, people think that uh, everybody who doesn't look a certain way is unattractive. Right. I just like to clarify that right. for everybody who might be thinking that I'm calling you unattractive or myself unattractive. Right. Whatever. It's you, that one listener. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But, um, so yeah. yeah. So what what is I'm big on tan, tangenting off. I I I because yeah, right, so, it's fandom that you love. I mean it, yeah. it's any kind of because you're you're sort of like me in the fact that you're a dork chameleon. Oh yeah. Where you're like, well, what do you want to play? I'll mm-hmm. play that. Mm-hmm. I need friends. And yeah. uh, let's go LARP, let's go play magic cards, let's go play board games, let's go Well okay, so how do you feel about character creation in Dungeon and Dungeons and Dragons? Dungeon and Dragons we're gonna say. That's, uh, that's the Australian version. I'm not good at it. How about that? <laughs> well, I love it. Like that, that I think the reason I do so much is because I love character creation, I love learning games, I love like picking up new comics and reading about new characters, and that is way more important to me than like the back end of like collecting. Um... So I've gotten into everything because I want to learn it once and like the learning experience is so great and I get all giddy. It's like drugs. You're always trying you to find are, your first you time. Are, you are a multifaceted diamond, a renaissance man. Yes, I am. Here's the thing. Uh, I, myself... <laughs> Uh, want to hit things, and uh, it turns out so yeah. other people have to create characters for me. Andy is constantly like I'm right now in an Eberron 3.5 game mm-hmm. that I've been in for low these eight years, and uh, with longtime listener Kevin Flanagan, mm-hmm. uh, John Thompson, and Lee Bennett, and sometimes Dave Goodrich. We, we've been on this journey once a month forever. Mm-hmm. This guy John Thompson, who who we play Dungeons and Dragons with, is mm-hmm. sort of the classic. They're all like this. <laughs> <laughs> but I think of John as an except you know, like he has read the books and read the books and then read the books again and then has internalized all. I mean, he can tell you they can all tell you what where the stat is that you need to know about some monster. Yep. There's like, oh, you got to check the monster manual. Oh, you got to play- check the player book. Oh, you got to check this other book. And I have read uh, none of them, none of them, none of them, and mm-hmm. I don't want to. And it's fine. I read the Dragonlance series. Is that something? That is something. Okay. I played a Dragonlance game. One of the best uh, role-playing games ever made was called Fifth Age, and it was set in Dragonlance, and it was um, uh, it was card-based. So instead of dice, you 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 had a hand of cards that you could play that had like numerical values. Really oh, okay. Cool. And it was it was so cool that it went away in about a month and a half because <laughs> 3.5 was released right after it. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was like it was like a new way to play D&D, and now this other newer, more exposed way to play D&D. <laughs> <laughs> that, and then Pathfinder seems to be because nobody liked 4.0, I guess, right. and so they were like, well, let's and the rumor try is to fix it. With 5.0, because they were doing D&D 5.0 now, they the first that now it's like and they're crowdsourcing it they're like what do you want in your D and D I'm like I was already creating it myself shut up um, right <laughs> well in the Eberron game that that Andy that we've been playing mm-hmm. it is not a 3.5 Eberron game mm-hmm. he he doesn't like psionics. And Andy's the game master, right? And so, and psionics is telekinesis and te- yeah. te- uh, like mind reading and all that, all, all that stuff to do with your psyche. Yeah. And he doesn't like it, so it doesn't exist in his world. It's you a can't. Valid, yeah. Yeah, and he gets to because he's running it, and um, so. Yeah, it's completely crazy. Do you want another soda or a uh, water? Or I, might, I might do some coffee later. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah building myself up to it. So, yeah. I, well, the thing is, is that like I, the kind of gaming I like. Like the, my favorite games are the ones where it, it approaches that thing where like Tom Hanks movie Dungeons and Dragons, where yeah. like he goes crazy and thinks the game is real. Oh right, the one the one that everybody quotes says, "This is why you can't let yeah. your kids play Dungeons this." Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's game, you know, that that 
that whole thing, which, by the way, is not true. Ever, the, the players are never really under the delusion that they are their characters, but they are under the delusion that the one girl they play with is in love with them. But, um, <laughs> or they spend a lot of time thinking about her. Right. Because they've they got the one girl, yeah. and they're just like... But we really want to play this game, but we like girls. Right. And, and, so. and then she's like, you saved me. And then you, like, take a free action and go from six to midnight. It's great. But um, I don't get that. Uh, explain this joke to Jackie by putting a <laughs> comment on this blog. Uh, so I, um, but I like the kind of game where the characters take over. Like, on some level, like, you are making – the characters are essentially making choices through you in so many ways. And you get to the point where you don't – you know, you're not thinking about what is the best thing to do for the party. You're not thinking about what's going to – what you can and can't do best. It's just literally, like, that's what – you know. That's how it plays out. Yeah. Andy is always talking about how running a game, a tabletop role-playing game, where, where essentially things like Dungeons and & Dragons and, 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 and other, they're called tabletop role-playing games, mm-hmm. there's one person who writes the games from these books. You're yeah. given a map, you're given a world, but you, everybody creates their own character. They're like, well, I'm a sword fighter, I'm an archer, mm-hmm. I'm a magic user, I'm a, and then you pick a race. I'm a dwarf, I'm an orc, I'm yeah. a human, and you do whatever you want. But the game, the game master is the guy who writes a story, and then much like that old adage about no battle plan survives a connection with the enemy, mm-hmm. uh, no game survives any sort of connection with the players. Right. And so he says, you know, I write this thing, and then you guys will not go behind that door because yep. you're no idiots. Mm-hmm. You know that behind that door is a giant freaking monster. Right. And or whatever. Yeah, no, it's you, 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 there's a, there's a, like the, uh, the, um, perpetually, what is that thing? Come on, science brain. There's this, this, you know, like, um, like a, that curve that goes as close as it possibly can, but will never touch something. Like, you can never actually find a way of controlling your players. Right. They will, they'll veer off at the last second. Which is the funnest part of it yeah. for the people who love to run those games. Right. And Andy's a game designer, so mm-hmm. he spends a good portion of his time going, oh, I really want these games to mean something to you people. <laughs> and, uh, and so he loves it when you weed off and you do other things. Right. And, but everybody, like, everybody in this, Eberron game, it's different from other games that he's run because he's been friends with all these guys for 25 years. And they previously were playing video games and I'm playing these games since they were 13. Mm -hmm. So you see two, you see a paladin and an orc fighting each other. This happened one of the first games. There was like a knight and a, and a, and a monster fighting each other. Mm -hmm. The party comes up on him. Well, what do you do? What do you do? Do you help the knight? Do you help the monster? Mm-hmm. Well, Lee looked at, I remember this because Lee goes, well, Lee, me as a human being, as a friend of Andy's, know that neither of these guys are any good. Mm-hmm. That whoever I help is going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. But as a character, i got to help the knight because I'm a cleric and that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a knight of my church and yeah. so we're in. And what I like is that sort of psychology that yeah. goes on behind it all. Oh, the sort of um, the and idea the Cheetos. that for every yeah, Cheetos are nice. <laughs> um, there's a lot of orange character sheets in the world of uh, D and D. So the, the, uh, the idea that um, you know, like the DM knows that I'm going to know that he knows that that, that if I pick door right. number one, and it's like it comes right. the, the, the the clue in Labyrinth, like what would the other door tell me I should do? <laughs> um, yeah, it very feel it feels a lot like that. It's crazy. So I played this game. It was the Buffy the Vampire 
uh, Slayer role-playing game. Okay. Is, uh, a tabletop kind of role-playing yeah, it's, game it's where just, you create a character and... And it's in the Buffy universe, so like okay. instead, of, instead of having, like, you know, swordsmanship, you have knife foo and stuff. It's all, all like, Whedon's writing style. Like, okay. My character had a lot of gun foo. Uh, and, and, and we played... We, what we did is we considered our, our role-playing session to be the continuing series that spun off of Buffy. So we oh, had all new characters over. that were introduced in Sunnydale mm-hmm. before this, the Hellmouth closed, and we would play it like an episode of TV. So, mm-hmm. like, the DM just said right at the beginning, or the Game Master, whatever you call it, like, I want you guys to, I want, you know, I want a fight or two every episode, but it really comes down to drama. And it got to the point where we would have, a, like, a, you know, 25-minute conversation between two characters who, like, wouldn't agree on the plan to kill the demon, and, like, then our personal lives would come in, not, not their characters' personal lives would come into it, like, but I secretly love you, Vera! You know, like, and it, was like, it was like there was a writer behind us all, like, like putting it all out there, but it was just coming entirely out of us. And it was it was the most magical game I ever played because it felt like TV, it was the right amount of drama. You know, just at the last second, one of the one of the characters would like put, you know, have a fit and refuse to go fight the big bad, you know, because you don't trust. You know, and, and it was like it was like we were it was like Whedon was writing through us. And, right, right. It was like an acting exercise to yeah. some extent, but it was with. This is one of the problems I have. I think that is amazing. I mm. think that's awesome. You knock yourselves out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lee and and uh, John and and people can get into it. You know, we're sitting around I'm, uh, pl- or we're playing Pathfinder or something, and people get into a political conversation about the politics on this continent, right. this fake continent in the middle of nowhere and the, the Goblin King and all, you know, you're just mm-hmm. like, that's great. When am I going to get to shoot somebody? Is there anything that, is that going to be happening? Mm-hmm. And it's but you when you're the when you're running the game, when you're writing the game essentially as like the game master or dungeon master mm-hmm. is leading this thing. You have to make sure that everybody gets what they want. Mm-hmm. We know that Jackie's a munchkin. She wants to kick open the door and roll the body. Mm-hmm. She wants to loot, loot, mm-hmm. loot, loot. And uh, But other people want to have a political conversation about what is the royal family doing. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be available, too. Yeah. And then... Uh, King, I didn't elect him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's he like? Well, my di- roll your diplomacy. Roll your diplomacy. So, yeah, and... And that's the thing about the Dork Forest is that is that you get to meet people. That's some coffee pouring. That's yeah, right. Lovely, that's right. lovely the iced coffee. The Foley effect, actually. I poured coffee earlier, but we had to add this in post. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's strange because I, 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 I run a game right now myself, and, you know, I have a couple of players who just really care about combat and a couple right. of players who, like, care about having the fun diplomatic moments. Right. And a couple of players that really just want to sit there and have me describe, like, Intricate architecture effects of cities, like and there's this flying, you know, portcullis. Oh, I and this, played with know. Blaine Capatch one time, mm-hmm. and he wanted to describe the marble ca- staircase in this thing, and I'm just like, I hit the wall, I hit the wall. <laughs> Did anything happen when I hit the wall? And he's like, No, you're just walking up the stairs, and I'm like, It's got gar- you know gargoyles and buttresses and yeah. and and molding. Yeah, painting the scene, and and every player wants different things, but you find that synergy eventually. Yes, and and I almost kind of feel like action movies are sort of written that way because they usually have to cast someone like, you know, Dolph Lundgren who really can't carry the scene and he's your character who's in the back just like waiting to punch something. <laughs> Meanwhile, like the two like slightly less action people are having like a fight and then you feel like right, like you can just wait, like you can see the DM 
cam of the movie, like, right. pointing to you, going, "All right, now." And then you like Dolph Lundgren gets up and goes, and yes. kicks a German in the face or something. I like that idea that that's how movies are being directed. <laughs> that 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 sounds fantastic. That's per- Aeschylus, I think, was the first one to say it uh, when he was like, "It's like a D and D game," and as he said in the the fourth century BC. I actually uh, have often like fantasized about writing about playing with a lot of really great players and like recording everything we do and then trying to like format that into a script. But then you realize that it's all about it's you. It's personal. Like it, it, games are awesome because you were in them and right. being able to replicate that on screen while do anyone any good. Like yeah, you know. yeah. It's like there's a lot of things like the guild. People love the guild, mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to watch it just because. Um, I either want to play. Or I want to go, oh, I'm glad you had fun. I mean, I don't want to, and I don't ever, I don't ever see the drama mm-hmm. of, like, and granted, I haven't been playing long enough. Like, I didn't play D&D through my teens and 20s, mm-hmm. so I didn't have the drama of falling in love with the guy who works at the Ren Fair who's playing with us. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, and that's what the guild is about. It's about people in their 20s falling in love with the people they game with mm-hmm. and the drama that comes of that. Yeah. There's definitely that failure to disconnect that happens in almost every game in which there is romance where, like, you're looking across at the girl you like and, like, she didn't use her free action to catch that arrow. And you're like, what does this mean? You know, like, you know, like that would have cost her nothing to save me from being hit here, but she chose not. And you even, right. like, we're hinting it to her. She didn't do it. You're like, are we, did we break up? Is that what happened? Like, are we going to go home to a fight? Like, I don't that, understand why. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, that, I think I definitely missed that by never playing those games when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And cause if, cause that's when your emotions that and that, of course, is the great fear in the in the Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, is that that's where the disconnect doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But did you read Ready Player One? No, I didn't. Ernie Klein. Um, it's essentially Hunger Games for forty year old nerds. Awesome. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're gonna want to read Ready Player mm-hmm. One. There's a previous episode where I interview Ernest Klein. He did Fanboys, that movie Fanboys. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I love. And but Ready Player One's gonna be a game, and it's essentially about you hang. There, there's a game room. Where mm-hmm. you and your other avatars all hang out, and it could mm-hmm. be anybody. It could be a forty-year-old guy pretending to be a twelve-year-old girl, mm-hmm. but it could be a twelve-year-old girl. And um, and so it there there is some of that there, that tension that creates itself. Of yeah. it's it, the psychology of it is fascinating. Like Maria Maria Benford is doing a uh, she's working on this bit about how. When she goes to do radio, sometimes people say to her, wow, somebody didn't take their meds. Uh, yeah, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. It's like, <laughs> somebody, we a little crazy. And she's like, well, that, first of all, you're not qualified to make that diagnosis. Right. And second of all, uh, I think I'm a professional for showing up at 6 in the morning to tell you my jokes on right. the radio. In with, the format uh, for which they were not designed. W- at all, <laughs> with, uh, with you know, Crazy Ray and the Weasel, whatever, whoever the yeah. morning team is. And uh and she talks about how people need to be appreciated for their art. Mm-hmm. And if you are telling your Batman poetry to a largely, how's it go? To a largely hostile Barnes and Noble crowd, <laughs> yep. uh, you should be celebrated. That's an yeah. amazing thing, right? And so 
Yeah, there's no reason. <laughs> there's no reason not to appreciate what is being done at every level, and mm-hmm. that's the great thing about about the internet and the podcasting and and all the stuff that we do now is that we get a glimpse into people's every single day mm-hmm. life, and like the gold, you know, the gold series guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. they were on my show, and they're great. Goldseries.com mm-hmm. probably. Um, so, but they do. Gold, is, yeah, I think it's gold the series or something. Gold the series. Oh, mm-hmm. that's it. And um. But they they do that drama because yeah. they live through it, and there's enough people who did. Yeah, well, there's that the, the whole thing in um, you know Night of the Zombie King, which is like the second sort of like movie lit. That's the second season for them, and it's like where where you know they're all they come back together in their 40s to play like the last session they weren't ever to play, and you realize that like it represents in many ways like the game has taken on their lives in so many ways. And, and, oh, you know, right. Like you know, this unfinished game. Yeah. And has, like, you know, you left us to go to state and you like, you know, we were in the middle of killing the zombie king and you pushed Danny down a flight of stairs. Like whatever. Like it's, you know, it was about the, you know, someone abandoned the geek life and like, it's just like rectifying it. And, and your, your social interaction does get caught up in it. And I can see where parents, you know, think it's the Tom Hanks movie. Cause right. like you're like deeply affected by the loss of your elf. And they're like, I don't, have I can't thoughts for that. Right. That yeah. what, what do you mean? You lost a game? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, but I don't think you understand. I put like two years of and a lot of yeah. I read this entire tome mm-hmm. of encyclopedias regarding <laughs> this right. version yeah. 2.5. And especially when you're playing as a youth, like you spin off little aspects of like, you know, your your own you know, psychological issues, you know, like, I, I, I guarantee you that, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong whatsoever with playing a character that's not your gender. That's perfectly fine. But in high school games, right. like, you know, every fifth person who's playing a cross-gendered character is either gay and not dealing with it well or transgendered and not dealing with it well. Right. And being like, well, I'll play a female elf and that will help me get these, you know, get these feelings out. And like, right. and, and it's like, it, it becomes an expression of you on some level. You know what sure. I mean? For like, sure. For sure. Just like, just like that, that if you, if you take a bunch of nerds and line them up, and told me they were a D&D group, I will find the one that looks least socially inept and say, that guy's the warrior. Because they, oh, you always play, you know, a lot of times you're playing what you want to be and not who right, you Right, your dream sequence. That's yeah, what you want to play. Yeah. You want to play your thing. That's still not the right use of that term. It so isn't. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call Aaron Foley and tell her. Because we're right. Okay, so it does feel that way, though, where... And all that stuff about about wanting to all of your fears can be dealt with in a role playing situation, yeah. and then you can I think they're pretty good coping skills because all of the people that I've met that and they're all friends of Andy's, mm-hmm. um, he has forty close friends that he has been gaming with for the last twenty years because mm-hmm. he went to UCLA with them and they all still live here, mm-hmm. and they are all incredibly like they're really good parts of society like mm-hmm. they're 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 good citizens yeah. It's because they have a chance to, like, sort of manifest, well, what I've always wanted to be is a robot. Right. Let's do this. And, and well, they're, they're exploring themselves, and they're also, you know, they're probably exploring citizenship in that, like, does this penny farthing buy me, you know, a crossbow to defend the wall against the ogre attack or whatever, you know? Yeah, and what are you going to choose to do when you, yeah. when you, when you capture the weak? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like that, that video game Fallout 3. Yeah. I, I watched um, our nephew play it, mm-hmm. and there's a part in the game where you can rape somebody. And um but essentially, yeah. Yeah, and it's just well oh wait, she's being attacked and you have a choice. You can either ignore it mm-hmm. or you can stop it. Yep. And um and the choice that you make 
affects your, you know, further in the game. Yep. But it not just affects further in the game. It affects what kind of choices you might make in life. Right. You might want to stop it. There was oh, yeah. a great ad on the uh, on the army base I was in in uh, in the Middle East last May, which was um, a good soldier stops sexual assault. A huge ad campaign, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, why don't you do that? But also, also that we needed to be, that we needed to reach a level where those ads had to go up. Yeah, that there's posters yeah. with two soldiers standing there, a man and a woman, and it says a good soldier stops sexual assault. And then the previous year when I had been in Iraq, mm-hmm. the big ad campaign was stop killing yourselves. <laughs> that was the uh, it was like an anti-suicide thing, and I was like, what is happening in the armed forces? Oh, I would just I think there's definitely a both funny and tragic web series about like <laughs> the six ad execs hired by the military to deal with right. the, like weekly. Ad can- like monthly ad campaigns, like okay, we're suicide and rape. All right, well, what else are we dealing with? Oh, that's right, murder, and how you deal with the fact that sometimes you murder people. Right, and people aren't eating enough cereal, so we need to get that into the canteen. And everybody gains fifteen pounds when they go overseas now and are in the army because they keep feeding them. There was a like one of the nights in in, in Africa. I've digressed, but one of the nights in Africa there was a what they call the lobster steak night. They're like, hey, Thursday's lobster steak night, and I was like. Yeah, what uh, what's what's happening here in Djibouti, Africa? Mm-hmm. Is there lobster and steak mm-hmm. from the Red Sea? Mm-hmm. And it was frozen lobster tails and mm-hmm. the grisliest piece of meat I've ever had in my life. And right. but they are bored, bored, mm-hmm. bored, bored out of their tiny lizard minds. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they be? Right. And so they're like, "Hey, it's lobster steak night." No, no, we're gonna be. And then bingo, we called bingo one night, mm-hmm. and I had never called bingo. I had never played bingo. I mean, I played it when I was a kid one time, right. but that was it. Turns out, bingo, they don't want any riffing from the comics. <laughs> they would like you to call some numbers, chop, chop, because there's a there's a flashlight that they could win <laughs> right. or something. It's uh, Fair enough. It's straight No, I, I lived on an island for a little while. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. I, li- I, I li- I've lived a lot of weird places, including India, but I, I also lived on an island that was a mile by a mile, like a little, little itty-bitty island that was 10 miles off the coast of Maine, and it's called Monhegan Island. Um, and uh, I lived there, and I managed the hotel, and I lived on the property. And there's nothing – I mean, there's no, there's no uh, electricity at night, no cars. What? Why not at night? Uh, I don't know. Because the gener- it, generator it, ran out. Yeah, or it, well, they would just run the generator during the day to like do your business, and then it would like shut off at night. What also, about heat? Uh, you, it was Maine in the summer only. Like during okay. the winter, everything is like you know. Okay. Um, so. You know, out there, like, after every day of work closed, everyone would just go out to somebody's cabin and, like, light a bunch of candles, and we'd all play music and sing and, like, you know, do a lot of drugs uh, or whatever, you know? Sure, sure. No, no. It was it was, the, it was your 20s. Yeah, it was and, a, and sure it was. No, and, sure. <laughs> it was last year. Um, and, and, but, you know, I got to the point where I realized that on this little island where I had no other, you know, other than, like, seeing occasional tourists that were new than from previous times, like, what was on the menu that night was, like, the high point of my day. Because, like, we knew we got a staff meal, so it's like, oh, and they were having pork chops, and I'm like, oh, pork? I was like telling people on the street, like, like they were having pork chops. That I'd be like, it was just such a, you know, it's just it, when you remove all like the internet and everything else from your life, it becomes, you know, when you're super isolated yeah. like that, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming that there's like at least one or two fireworks shut off because some Eskimo like brings home like three extra carp, and I'm like, really, <laughs> a piece of carp? <laughs> <laughs> so, just you know, food is also good. Food is good. Food is good, and it's um yeah. So yeah. So there's there's movies and there's 
games and there's board games mm-hmm. and so what are so now we know about Fandom Planet and Pizza Games and Zombies. Mm-hmm. What are the other seven podcasts you're doing? And okay. are they specific at all? Who well, are? I have the Star Trek podcast, which is called Make It So, and that's essentially <laughs> an episode by episode. It, we we call it commentary adjacent. So it's it's we we play an episode in the background and then we talk about we me and a bunch of my friends have come to this understanding that. Science fiction, especially, but also sci-fi, uh, but I mean, science fiction, but but especially Star Trek, is it should be about ideals and not about like apocalypse porn. You know what I mean? Oh right. So we like watching because like you know like, there's all these like whole episodes where Picard like takes Wesley aside and he's like you just need to be the best you you can be and I'm like why yeah. are they not teaching this shit? Yeah. You know, and so we we make it so is literally we we think this is the kind of society we should have where like there's no money but it's about personal growth and stuff like that. Okay. So we talk about you know Star Trek concepts while we're watching and then occasionally be like, ah, data fell down in the back of that shop. You couldn't see it before. <laughs> you know, um, and so it's a good commentary adjacent. You're welcome on that one. And we're, we're, all, we're done now with first season pretty much of Star Trek uh, next, next generation. generation? Yep. Okay. And then we're going to keep going through everything. Thankfully, okay. There's like, you know, 48 years of Star Trek. So that podcast will never end. No. Did you do the original at all? Or? No, we're going back to that because we're, we're all next gen kids. Okay. And we all grew up on the next gen. So we right. started there and we do two episodes a week, but it's like, you know, it's an hour, and then we also have to watch them in advance to, like, know what we're talking about. Right. And the first season of Star Trek Generation is really bad. Like, it's, Wait, doesn't it's, it get good in uh, season three? It gets good. It gets good, like, With in the two, beard. Three. The beard, yeah. Yeah, the beard yeah, makes pre-beard, it. Pre-beard, very difficult. Right. Uh, especially season one, where it's, like, not only pre-beard, it's, like, pre, this is a different show than the original Star Trek. So there's, like, a lot of, like, you know, pastel sets out. and, you know, the yeah. born... Like, what am I doing here? Um, <laughs> and uh, so there's Make It So is one of them. Um, I do another one called Hats, which is just me and this guy, Sam Weller, and we just talk about anything, and that's just like a, a blow-off-steam podcast. Um, I do one called Autopsy, which dissects why uh, we, like, literally go through the steps of an autopsy, but for media projects. So it's like, why didn't Scott Pilgrim work? And we, like, start with, like, surface-level examination and, like, looking at all the things there, and then we, like, literally crack it open and go, like, into, like, Like, oh, you'll pick a TV show or a yeah. movie or a comic series or... And explain or, why it failed. Why nobody yeah. give it, gave a damn. Yeah. Why, wh- where was the... Where was the, You know, why, why was John Carter of Mars a huge flop? It was like, well, first off, they spent way too much on it because they allowed the director who had previously directed only animated stuff to do a million takes. <laughs> you know, he's like, let's do every possible take. And they're like, well, you know, film costs money. And he's like, I don't care. Like, you know, like... Draw more of this actor. Like, what? That's not how that works. Right. Um, And then they marketed it as nothing. They're like, this is a movie about, you know, stuff. They took the words of Mars out of it because they were afraid that they had the other greatest failure in that company's history was Mars Needs Moms. Oh, okay. And that was a huge flop that lost them billions of dollars as well. And they're like, oh, we better take Mars out of the title or people will associate this with Mars Needs Moms. Because clearly those two things were very similar concepts. John Carter was what it was released as. But it was it's based on John Carter of Mars or like John Carter, Warlord of Mars, which was it's the same guy who created Conan the Barbarian. Like, it's okay. Like a, yeah, it's like it's like the father of science fiction's opus that everything is relevant to. And there's actually a great video, I don't know where it is online, but where someone's like showing – not just scenes from that movie, but like, you know, pictures from the book and how almost every sci-fi we've ever liked has been based on those works. Okay. So like Star Wars is largely just like cut and pasted from like John Carter passages in many ways. Oh, really? And so, but they didn't market, they didn't tell you any of that. They just called it John Carter. They had like a guy jumping and they had like weird aliens and they explained nothing and no one wanted to see it because they never did any, the the advertising was a huge failure. And was it pretty good? Did they, did he do a nice job of it? It's a beautiful film. 
It's okay. Got some, it's got it's got the same third act problems that all current films have. I mean, it's and, and oh, by, by the way, if you're looking for a bad film, the <laughs> worst film made in 20 years is Lockout. Who's who? Wh- Lockout is Guy Pierce's uh, Escape from L.A. but in space movie, where like there's a space prison and Guy Pierce gets shot up there to rescue the president's daughter. <laughs> and, uh, and and don't get me wrong, the concept in itself almost has charm, but the right. movie is like weird and truncated. And there's like whole sections of it that don't make sense because they clearly just cut segments out. And like, is it is is there a part where they're gonna run out of air? Nope. No? They almost don't deal at all with gravity or oxygen. Like, those two two great tastes that don't apparently aren't relevant in space, as far as Wait, I'm concerned. that's all space is about. That's true, yes. Oh, that is a Oh, bummer. I'm sorry, there is, a, there is a place where someone is going to die of nitrogen poisoning because of an oxygen leak, but they don't explain why that happens. Right. So. You realize you're eating a, do- a dove dark chocolate. You have to read the promise. It's a dove promise. It's a dark oh, really? promise, though, so you have to read it in a dark voice. Oh, in a dark voice? A dark, dark voice about the dark promise. Apparently it promises that you're delicious. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> Last night we went and saw the new the Ardman movie, mm-hmm. um, Wallace and Gromit guys, mm-hmm. Pirates. It was originally called Pirates and Scientists, and it, I wish it had been called Pirates and Scientists. Mm-hmm. And it's Hugh, not Jackman, not Hugh Ackman, Hugh, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant as the pirate, and it's um. It had so much potential, but here's it had too big of a budget. Because mm-hmm. Wallace and Gromit meet the were-rabbit. Mm-hmm. I feel like it didn't have that great of a budget, and they used it much, much wiser. Mm-hmm. And there was more claymation. There was more stop action. This thing had too much money, too many, and too many ideas. It felt like it was being raised by committee. And, um, like, the, the you know how Wallace and Gromit... Is Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, it would have been a great movie if Darwin had been the Wallace character and his monkey Bobo would mm-hmm. have been the Gromit character, and that would have been a great movie. There wouldn't have been uh, a need for a pirate. Mm-hmm. Could have just been an awesome story about the Beagle uh, traveling. But instead, uh, Hugh Grant plays um, sort of a Wallace character, mm-hmm. but Bobo is still Gromit, and uh, that doesn't. There's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. So, but there are parts of it that are really, really great and have and have that flash of genius of. Of Wallace and Gromit, because I love Wallace and yeah. Gromit. It's it's just I the Were Rabbit stood up at one point, pointed at the screen, and laughed. Really? Yeah, because it was because you know when you think about stop action, it takes a half a day to mm. do a three second joke. Right. Well, I love that sort of that. I love mm. that commitment. Yeah. And you know, do you remember in the Were Rabbit when he has a um, he knocks into the cotton candy truck, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's got cotton candy hair. Yeah. That's what made me rise to my feet and go, <laughs> holy crap, no joke too small. Right. <laughs> I love that. Which is not, yeah. Well, in the original Wallace and Gromit, like when you first saw it, you were just like, this is such genius. And it's a, it's a yeah. like, slow rolling comedy. And also what? just like his love of the Rube Goldberg machine, essentially. Like, really, <laughs> like, not only yes. the ones that like they actually build, but just like the, everything in that movie is about like, you know, Small actions. Yeah, Yeah. it's because he's dealing with tiny pieces of clay, I think, there, or they are. And and there is one of those great Rube Goldberg scenes Mm -hmm. in this pirate movie, but um, there's not enough. Not enough. And that's the connection between these and the Final Destination films. It's all Rube Goldberg love. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and I'll do two, a couple other podcasts, one about TV, one about uh, comedy, and one called This Is Really Happening, which is about... um, uh, weird news. 
And it's less weird news and more tragic news. It's more like the news of Florida. You know, uh, like uh, like idiots and yeah, and, like you know, and, uh, and science when yeah, when meth labs are done by people without enough science, right? Exactly. Education. Or, or when meth heads are hired to run fireworks stands, or like weird, weird, you know, like the same, like people, people who I like that. That's all Florida. <laughs> you know, it is. It's it's insane. I mean, like I I joke about it a lot, and like I've gotten to the point now where I just sort of like willy nilly, like almost like I'm from Florida. I'm like, oh, Florida's horrible. Like right to their face. Like <laughs> I don't deserve to be punched for that. And it really is, though. Like, if you look at, if you search for, like, strange news stories, 90% of them are from Florida, and they all involve, like, you know, man on meth pees in a bank, you know, like, security tube because he was denied loan because he was naked, and then, like, he has That's a real one? Oh, yeah, that's very, that's a real one. It's, and, well, the weird thing about Florida is that it's, it's sort of split into this, um, the southern part of Florida is all retirees and everyone from the north. And then northern Florida is so old-timey south, mm-hmm. like like Faulkner, like Steinbeck, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like crazy, what is happening? And uh, black people are what? Yeah. Uh, it's weird. And um, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even feel like as big of a city as like Tupelo. Mm-hmm. And I've been to Tupelo, and Tupelo is perfectly <laughs> fine with perfectly nice people in it who yeah. get cable and all 26 of the letters. It's nice. Right. Opposable thumbs. <laughs> all 26 of the letters. They don't use them all because yeah. they, like they like to talk slow. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, my father-in-law is from uh, outside of Tupelo, a little, oh, really? little town called New Albany. And um, that's where Andy's mom and dad both grew up. Mm-hmm. And his dad was... A very much a slow talker. And my brother comes up to me at the wedding. One of my brothers, my brother Phil, goes, he comes up, and we all talk like this, super fast, super, right. and so Phil runs up to me, and he's like, hey, that guy's funny. Your your father was funny. you got to wait for it. But he's <laughs> funny. And you're like, yes, yes, you do have to wait for it. <laughs> I, I was in Florida on tour uh, doing stand-up, and, like, I remember it rains for, like, nine minutes a day. But right. But all the rain for, like, a whole week anywhere else. Like, the whole streets is, like, flood for a second. Yeah. And it goes away. It's weird. It's like a bucket. Yeah. And I feel like it's that kind of, like lack of reality like like you're just like well i don't really want to do meth and like you know adopt a bunch of kids and then like get a tattoo <laughs> of a spider on my face but like if this kind of rain can exist then there's no rules anymore <laughs> so why did I bother? oh yeah it's a very, right. it, i don't know i'm not a huge florida fan after doing this show for a year and a half i just like every other story is just like you know it's just set in florida and it's yeah. full of crazy what so why did you live in India if I might uh okay so I went I was uh, living in uh all right well, let's see where, where I, I I had been living above a restaurant in Agunquit Maine which is the gay capital of Maine and I was I was I was the manager of a cocktail bar that Are you uh, from Maine? I am from Maine. Yeah. There we go. And um <laughs> And I was the manager of a cocktail bar, and I remember uh, I myself am not gay, but apparently am like candy to the your average. Like a, you're a bear. Uh, yeah, I'm a bear. You're, I'm not. You're, I'm not you're just a huggable a bear. sweetheart. I'm a, I'm a picnic basket. Like a bears love me. <laughs> so like I was this bartender, and like I got like you know like hundred dollar tips from these like fantastic old gay men who hoped it would buy me you know buy them some of my attention. It did not, but I never dissuaded them. No, no, because you want a new sweater as much as the next person. That's right. And so I was having a great time, but I had. I ended up getting gallbladder disease and like I had to go to the hospital and I was really sh- and like and, and when I finally got out of the hospital, <laughs> incidentally the restaurant closed. So so and so due to my oh, logic. So I lost my I was in the hospital for weeks, lost my job, my girlfriend and my residence in a very short amount of time. 
time. Why'd the girlfriend go? Uh, she doesn't, because she's in fear of gallbladder disease? No, because she had this other boyfriend that was getting in the way. Oh, there you um, go. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, he also told my car. So, yeah, it was a good time. So, like, I was like, completely without a net, and I had nothing left. And my friend who lived on this other island in Maine that was accessible by road um, said, like, come live with me. And so right after I, start, I moved in with him, and nothing to do, completely, you know, and I was, like, living essentially off him, but he was, like, a wealthy guy. He got, he was a jeweler, and he was called by one of his jewelry-making buddies who had, like, learned jewelry with him, saying, I'm getting married, and I want you to come to the wedding, which is in India, because I am Indian. And he said, <laughs> right. <laughs> right, and he goes, oh, sure, he goes, and bring a date, and it's all paid for, because I, you know, I, I'm rich. And oh, he's like, interesting. He's like, well, I don't have a date, but I have a roommate. He goes, like, fine, bring a roommate. Oh, so, fun. So he's like, you know. Free I, trip to India? Yeah, and he brought me to India, and then when I'm there... I basically become a groomsman because I'm palling around with another groomsman the whole time. And so I, I spent two weeks. An Indian wedding is two weeks long. Really? It's like a whole week of, like, groom side and bride side events. And then, like, a whole week of progressively integrating the two things. And then eventually the final day is they call it the dance around the horse. And the groom and the bride start of different sides of the city. This is Mumbai. And travel to the wedding site dancing around a horse, like, like to join the two families together. And of course, it's no longer a horse. It's a car. And it's no longer the other separate sides of the city. It's like a mile. Right. But you're still in a full suit wearing a turban in India. So you have a nice lot of heat. <laughs> um, so and then the wedding itself is like nine hours long and it's so long that you're allowed to get up and leave and there's a buffet outside so you get up like the ceremony is happening you get up you go get do get, a lap get some food right come back sit down watch some ceremony get back up and leave and it's a weird time wow. but in the two weeks of the wedding I got to know the the, the guy V Vardaman really well mm -hmm. and he's like why don't you just stay stay here and work for me and for my company right and you can live in like you know in, in India men never leave the house and, and at least in Hindu culture so like if you have a son he lives in your house and then his bride moves in with him and his sons live there and so on and so forth so the wealthy families have like high-rise apartment buildings that are just them you know what i mean Weird. so he's like we have a bunch of generations of our family that have yet to exist so there's big empty spaces in this house just right here and i lived there for like six months working for this platinum concern and it was great except for constantly getting sick because because of the the, yeah. the different food and, yeah. and air and water and all the kind yeah. of things that happen when Pollution you go to a different place, and yeah, and whatever. And it was a good time. And then, but after six months, when my when my go there for a wedding visa ran out, I decided right. to return. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow, that's but and that's amazing. I also probably added or subtracted several years of my life from smoking because you can smoke everywhere in India, and you can smoke British like I, I smoked State Express Triple Fives, which are like these the cigarette might as well just be full of tar that you just like pour into your face. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, I would smoke like three packs a day because you could just literally just have it like, like wake up light a cigarette in bed and then just never need to go without a cigarette. And when I got Do back, you still smoke? Nope. Oh, uh, I, I ended up picking it back up again since then for a little while and then quitting again. But when I got back from India, I got really sick. And one of the results of it was I just lost the taste for cigarettes. Oh, overnight. interesting. So I, and I didn't smoke for like seven years. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So then you then you started again, but then you quit again. Yeah, I started for a play like everybody else does. Oh, right. I was in a play. Lines are hard to memorize. <laughs> You're up late. Yeah. Camel it's, cigarettes is cheap. Right, right. I don't think they are, actually. I think they're so, like six bucks a pack now. Not anymore, yeah. No, no. It's... Um, Wow. So, what would you recommend? Um, people, what, what do you what do you like to read or or watch or is there Let's stuff see. you'd recommend? I'm watching Fringe. I love Fringe. If anyone hasn't uh, gotten into that, show. still in the first season. There's a there's been a DVD from Netflix sitting there for oh, six months. Yeah. 
I have the second season season collection. I'll, I'll loan it to you too. It's it's a great show, but you really do have to start early and go through it because, like you know, the whole explanation of what the sci-fi Hell is going is, on is is slowly parceled out to you. And like by the time they've gotten now to season four, like they're dealing with some like really heavy stuff they had to build up along the way. It's a lot like Lost. You just can't dive right in. Right. You can't um, come in in the middle. You can, like, for the kind of Freak of the Week episodes. Like, okay. You remember X-Files used to have, like, it's a suction face, man. Yes. Uh, well, they, they still have that. Um, that I'm really enjoying. Um, I'm reading Thunderbolts still from Marvel, which is really great. Yeah, um, I like it. They, they were just traveling through time. They still yeah. are, as a matter of fact. They're in the 90s now. Ah, uh, yes, fighting the old Thunderbolts. Right, fighting the old Thunderbolts Citizen and Zemo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I don't, I, I hate to admit it, but, like, the new 52 just lost me on DC. Like, it's just not. I like Superboy and Teen Titans. Okay. Uh, I'm Both over Scott Batwoman. Books. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm over, um, I'm over Batwoman and Batgirl because mm-hmm. they look exactly the same to me. Mm-hmm. And I liked it better when she was in the wheelchair and she was Oracle. Yeah, I'm, I, well, uh, I, you know, this is probably the, the most public way this has ever been announced, but, uh, I've created a web series. Um, about six months ago now, called Batgirl Spoiled, which is the ex- the exploration of the Stephanie Brown Batgirl character, which was this, which was the Batgirl before New Fifty Two, right? Who had been Spoiler and Robin before that, um, and we just sort of like kept that story going in this web series. And I I have the the stunt coordinator and movement director from Thor. I have like the most amazing costumers in the world. It looks fantastic. We 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 have a What's the website for that? Uh, BatgirlTheWebSeries.com. And uh, there should the Kickstarter is supposed to come out like in the next two weeks, and when it does, okay. all the footage gets released that we've shot so far. Well worth everybody's time, and it's Stephanie Brown is the best character that they ever created, and it was, it's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer of DC, and they just sort of like she was so great, yeah, and they and just like threw her under the bus in it to get, bring Barbara back, and so much of that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why in the world would they take this wonderful um, icon of like handy capableness essentially, right? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 you were much cooler as Batgirl, and then. And then even more of an issue that I have with that is that, like, they did so much of her, like, the the emotional heavy lifting of her, like, learning to deal with it. Like, I was a superhero, now I'm not, you know, like... Yeah, and and coming up with a whole new career and a whole new act and and being available. And they're like, no, she can walk again. And you're like, dude, she was the best character as Oracle. Yeah, I had the gall to call it the miracle. Like, oh, you didn't even bother to write it in an explanation, didn't you? Like, you're going to figure it out by the time it happened, you know? It's just, I'm just not a huge fan of it. And don't get me wrong, I I still love the DC properties. I mean, I'm looking forward to the new Batman film and everything else, but I just feel like... Oh, yeah. The new Batman film I'm looking forward to, too. And I tried to read Batman Incorporated, Mm -hmm. but it got all convoluted and weird on me, so I didn't... um, I'm not surprised considering it's writer, but I mean, like, it, it it's got, it's got like the the new all of the new fifty two is like either it's the nineties again like made real like Marvel nineties in comics, or the new fifty two is like really weird like like um like a water painted sort of like like blurry dreamy Animal stuff. Man yeah yeah exactly yeah I like, like Animal Man though yeah well I, I enjoy it but you have like that same style as essentially in Batwoman and Wonder Woman and like a bunch of other stuff where it's just sort of like like heady like trying to, to trying to reinvent the wheel again I don't know I'm just, it's not for me and I'm and I'm loving a lot of what Marvel's putting out so it's hard for me to like pull my my dollar yeah I'm away more I I love like I didn't know anything about Captain America and Bucky mm-hmm. before I went in. But now I'm I freaking love Bucky, man. The mm-hmm. fact that he's the Winter Soldier and mm-hmm. and you know, and I talk about Ed Brubaker all the time because I love everything Ed Brubaker does, mm-hmm. quite honestly. And 
but there's you know there's a lot of image image stuff and like all that all that vertigo mm-hmm. stuff vertigo is owned by dc isn't it yep okay so who does who does hellboy and dark and and bprd and all that is that vertigo or is that idw or Boom it's idw or? i think okay. has them now it's all publisher all wise together. it's all weird yeah I do like I do like a uh, Lobster Johnson. The uh, was that your favorite? Yeah, yeah, that's my one of my absolute favorites. The like old '40s version of the BPRD, essentially. Yeah, then, yeah, the uh, Lobster Johnson, Johnson series was pretty great. I mean, it's like those like random like call like here is the claw where he's like putting his hand on your face. Yeah. <laughs> like no, he's, he's um. It, he says something different, but he says, "Here is the claw." Whenever like someone challenges him, it's like a very it's a talk bizarre, to the hand yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's mm. essentially that. It's early talk of the hand, proto talk of the hand. But I like I like BPRD, and I don't like I don't like scary stuff very much. But for some reason, BPRD and all of that, Mike Mag- 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 Magnola, Magnola, I like his stuff. I like mm-hmm. it all. And then Eric Powell and the yep. Goon. That's always gross or dirty and uh, hilarious and great. Yep. And uh, but the drawing is really good on that too. Because Tom Frank was just here yeah. rec- talking about art forever, and mm-hmm. I realized I don't know the names of any of the artists in comic books. I- I'm a story guy. Like I've, I've you know, I, I consider myself a comic book expert because I can usually tell you the history of every character. But everyone's like, well, who drew him during this period? And I'm like, I don't care. Like I liked it, but like I don't care. Oh, you know, like I never I. Brubaker is actually an exception. I often pick up books that his name is on just because I love his writing. You know what I mean? And and, But mostly, I just want to know where my characters are going. Like, I don't care who's writing Cap right now. I want more Cap stories. Right. Okay. And so, like, and but, I mean, you know, I clearly find writers that I vibe with. And and artist-wise, like, I love Amanda Connor so much. What does she draw? Uh, She drew Power Girl before the New 52, like, sort of when Power Girl and Tara were, like, hanging out for a long time. And she's got sort of a a very – Amanda Connor's got – some of the absolute best style I've ever heard uh, had, and she's got a great sensibility comedically. And uh, you know, we, we we had her on Phantom Planet, although I think we haven't released that uh, audio yet. And I talked about how like you're, when you're drawing Power Girl, like you just be like you have to make it a character dynamic enough to not be about cleavage. And she does it like it was it costs nothing. She's just like yeah, of course you don't care. Like you, there is right. cleavage there, but you don't care because I've drawn her so to, like her face is so dynamic, like her expressions are so like vibrant, and you're just like, yeah, you know, I don't care if she was wearing nothing, like she, she could be right. naked the entire time of the comic, and it wouldn't be exploitive because of how good she is at drawing the world of this character. That's great. That's yeah. It's so I'm getting more into the art because it adds so much to mm-hmm. it, but I don't. It's not my first go-to, and I feel slightly bad because there's so much work that's going into yeah. the graphic novels artistically, and I'm just like, yeah, but what's the what's the next line? What's the next uh, mm-hmm. word thing? Because I'm a word person, it yeah. turns out. But it, you're, you know, I, I, so, but I do appreciate it. I feel like I feel like you, you know, you're not allowed to like go out in the street and like find cinematographers and punch them in the face, but you don't necessarily have to watch movies for the cinematography. In the same way that you don't necessarily have to watch movies for the writing, you know what I mean? Like I don't care for Avatar personally because I do like writing and I don't think the writing is very good. But if someone likes pretty pictures, mm-hmm. they're allowed to like that film. In the same way, like I I loved every comic that has contained Captain America ever, even when he became a werewolf. I'm cool with all of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it doesn't. And the artist and the writer has essentially been inconsequential. 
Bill. You okay. I mean? Oh, just because you love that character yeah, so I, much. And I want, and, and you know what? Cap has a very simple like writing um, uh, burden for the writer, which is Cap has to be you know against the ropes and fight his way back with essentially fists and a brain, and he does it, and that's what I like. You yeah. Know? I love Captain America to be up against like essentially gods and be yeah. like, well, if I throw the shield this way and I say these things and I try my hardest, I'll get it done. Which is why right. Batman's cool too. Yeah. Like you're always like the, no one. Would like Batman if Batman was Superman, if he was right. like flying around, like sort of you know, be like swatting villains out of the sky, right? Because he has to rise above things. Yeah. It's why I have such a problem with Superman, just because Superman is so powerful mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, who who's going to fight Superman? You know, who's right. well, you don't really have a chance. That's why I started reading that irredeemable thing. Mm-hmm. Have you read that? Oh yeah, that's where Superman. It's a Superman character who the goes Plutonian. the Plutonian who goes bad mm-hmm. and thus a billion people are killed and then and what's even better is he doesn't really go bad like it's not it's not like the sort of like we've been feeding him corruption pills and now he's gone bad like oh, right. he just has like a bit of a like a breakdown like yeah you know, he has like a he, nervous breakdown yeah, and and but when you have when you can like push planets out of orbit when you have a nervous breakdown like whole cities are in the wake of that and right like, and no one can stop him and then and it's like one of the it, it's actually a great allegory to that sort of like little white lie you tell like in high school or at work where eventually you just have like you find yourself like you know lighting fire to like a, a bunch of files to like cover your tracks <laughs> and like you know so he like has a little breakdown and a couple of people die and then because he has to fight the entire superhero community he essentially has to become a supervillain Right. That point, just to back it up, like he has no nowhere else to go. He's trapped by that's his a, own. That's crazy. a great way to put. Because yeah. the thing is, is yeah, because he is n- he's never been allowed to even have the tiniest breakdown. Yeah. So when he has the tiny breakdown, and what's funny is because they show things about Superman where he can hear everything, right? Mm-hmm. He has super hearing. So there's always some tool bag in the audience who's like, man, that guy's a jackass. <laughs> you know, he's got the underpants outside of his thing, and so imagine. A billion of those comments just right. coming at you every single day forever until mm-hmm. finally you have a tiny nervous breakdown that involves Taiwan being sunk. Right. And, yeah. uh, and then that's, you know, that actually gives me more sympathy for him because mm-hmm. he lost his, he lost his mind and now right. he wants to try to fix it. That's where they're at with it. But I've, I've several times I've wanted to get out of it mm-hmm. because I like my heroes to be heroes, mm-hmm. you know, to not have those flaws that regular people do. Right. Well, you should read Incorruptible because that's like the the, the counterpoint is, and I forget the name of it, Max Damage or Max Power, is this villain who's, who has the, the coolest powers I've ever heard of, which is he gets stronger and more invulnerable and better the longer he can stay awake. And it's the second he goes to sleep, he resets down to regular human levels. Oh, really? But like, after, like, six hours of being awake, he's bulletproof. You know what I mean? Okay. So, like, uh, so, and so, basically, he could fight the Plutonian if he could stay up for 58 hours, but he can't. So, he's just, he's always, like, he's always, like, you know, sunken-eyed and driven. But anyway, he's a villain, and he has, like, a, a his, his uh, you know, cohort's called Jailbait, and it really is an underage girl and everything else. And he just happens to be, like, doing something, some criminal thing, when the Plutonian freaks out and, like, kills a hundred thousand people or something and he's there and sees it and in the wake of seeing a hundred thousand people dead he's like you know what villainy seems like a bit of a waste of my time and he becomes a hero and he kicks the underage girl out of his bed and he like turns on his own uh criminal gang and he gives all the money back and he becomes like the center point of fighting the plutonian but he was a villain but like seeing true evil as the plutonians like flipping out makes him totally reevaluate his life it's a great book so if you like true heroism wow 
incorruptible is well worth your time. See, because when it came out, I was like, I was so disillusioned with the plutonium mm-hmm. that uh, I was like, I can't face this the same author doing this because yeah. it's Mark Wade, right? Yeah. And, and but that that does sound great. Wade is so heavy-handed; it is sometimes hard to imagine he can like put pants on without being like falling <laughs> over. But like he he um, he is uh, he is great when he gets it going. And and uh, my problem with it is that for some reason the art design for Max Damage. Uh, looks a little bit like Andrew Dice Clay. So like, there's a bunch of like the early, but I didn't pick it up for like so five issues. So he's got like some sort of hair bouffant. Yeah, he has like a bouffant and like a leather jacket, and like I just sort of like looked at it, and in the back of my head I heard like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Nah, I'm not gonna read this." <laughs> and then like a little while later, someone explained it to me, and I picked it up, and it was pretty good. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, good. Because so. yeah, because when I first uh, I never read Captain America, mm-hmm. and then when I I was talking to Ed Brubaker on the episode, the first live episode ever in Seattle, it was. And I said, you know, what I don't understand, I always thought he was a tool because of that outfit. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, he's wearing the flag like a creep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and Brubaker was like, what? What? No, 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 no. He's, he's, he's great. He's just a soldier. He's just a regular mm-hmm. guy trying to do the best he can. Mm-hmm. And he rises to the occasion again and again and again. So. Well, and, and also, like, what I love about Cap is that, you know, they do a really good job of doing it. It's like, he really did come from a different time. Like, not, not any different in, in many ways than my grandparents came from a different time. And so, in that way, like, you know, when he gets unfrozen, he's like, oh, racism isn't a thing anymore. And not that he was probably ever racist because he's like a good person. But, like, right. you know, on some level, like, you know, he everything's. A surprise. Yeah, a very different universe in terms of like you know how people act, and and so he's not only trying to be a Boy Scout because that's the way people were back then. You know what I mean? Like, it like, I, yeah, the yeah. idealistic world. Yeah, I'm, I'm entirely sure that every one of our grandparents' generation like died six months before their time because they didn't want to trouble anybody with something. It was like medically going wrong with them. You know, like that's just yeah. not how Americans do it. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll think my cancer away. Yes. And so in that way you have this Captain America guy who like wore the flag when wearing the flag was just like, Oh my God, he's embodying America. And now we would be like, what a douche. Right. Like, take, right. Take, take your giant blue tights off door. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. Did you read the truth thing? Truth, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was because he didn't know that that essentially there was a Tuskegee yeah. experimentation to create the super soldier serum that eventually creates Patriots and a lot of other. Well, it just creates mm-hmm. the the black Captain yeah. America, and then Patriots his grandson, right. who doesn't have any superpowers, though he did take the mutant growth hormone. Well, at now one he point, does. Right? It, it, part, talk about fearful symmetry that pisses me off. Like there are just some things that are too corny for me. Patriots' original arc was he has no superpowers. Yeah. Then he's taken MGM mm-hmm. to like get superpowers, but his his claim the whole time was, I got superpowers when I got a blood transfusion from my grandfather. grandfather whatever, yeah. Right? So eventually, after he gets he gets off MGM and he's still trying to fight, but he can't keep it together, he gets like wounded and has to get a blood transfusion from his grandfather, and then he gets the powers and now right. he has them. Okay, and now is that he's what powered. He's powered exactly the way he claimed he was by like some in the circumstances. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just, it's, that's. I hate right. that sort of just, circular, circular thing. Right, right, just do it yeah. in the beginning. But sometimes you don't think of it <laughs> until yeah. you'd be like, well, I created the character and that was a fake. Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's just figure that out how to great. do it. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that would have been great. Well, let me say this, Sex. It's been an hour, and I've oh, had yeah. a lovely time talking about essentially nothing and everything. Nice. It's a classic dork forest where we're just like, kind of shooting the breeze for an hour about that's that's why i do so many podcasts is that it's it's about capturing like a moment like this was never for you audience sorry (laughs) this is about like and And um, that's why they're so popular is because you're just like you're sitting in on a conversation that you're like yeah that's well 
and I will tell one one Jackie story. If I know people, been, I don't want to keep you past your hour. I know no, that's right. Um, <laughs> I uh, you were my first hero comic I ever played with in L.A. What do you mean? I think I might have said that, but like I watched your Comedy Central special oh, when right. I was living in Maine, right? And in the Maine comedy scene, we're like we have Boston near us, but like we're, you know we have Portland and we have some like local heroes. Like you, uh, the the world, the the divide between us and a guy or a girl who could be on Comedy Central, right, is tight. A it's chasm. A, it's, it's, yes. You're never going to get there, right? You're like let's face it, buddy, you're not going to be on TV anytime soon, <laughs> you know, like that sort of thing. And so I played a show with you. I think it was either. Comedy Meltdown, which was the original, or, or, or uh, Linda Pine's Comedy Meltdown, or something. Yeah. And for some reason, the name didn't click initially in my head. And I was, like, looking at the flyer, and I'm like, who am I on with? Let me find out. And I'm like, oh, Jackie Cation. And I remembered watching your special, because it really touched me as a kid. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to be on the same mm-hmm. stage as so many things. And I, I think I told you that night very clumsily, but, like, oh, yeah, I've no. always been a huge fan of yours, and that was really, really cool. So it was, like, it was nice. It was the first time I ever got to, like, rub elbows with, like, a real comedian. Shucks. Well... But I, that's very flattering. Thank you very much. And you're very funny, and people should go and see you. What's your website? Uh, HavingSaxOnline.com. Is it the word online? Is there? Yeah, HavingSaxOnline.com. Having <laughs> uh, it was originally going to be WatchingSaxOnline.com, but it ended up being, uh, I think it was taken or something. Um, I will, I do have a, a very important plug. Please. Speaking on Captain America. Yeah. So the Nerdist channel, which is the, the YouTube channel by the Nerdist. Uh, Chris Hardwick and all Chris that. Chris Hardwick has a thing coming out called the Tournament of Nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in which there's, there's like the fantasy battles between two. Oh, right. characters or whatever, right? And they did a first, their first televised version ever, and I am in that tournament representing Captain America. Oh, so really? So in the first round of the tournament, which I believe is coming out in June, it's myself as Captain America. IFC? Uh, what's that? And what channel is it on? It's on. It's just on the Nerdist like uh, TV. Oh, their the YouTube thing. Yeah, their yeah, YouTube yeah. channel. Okay. When they got all that money from Google or whatever to happen. Right. Um, I, I'm uh, the first round is me versus John McClane. So Captain America versus John McClane. I have a Captain America costume that they built for me. It looks like my mom made it. Oh, um, and it's super a, they, cool. They built a huge arena, and we. It's just a debate show. So I have to say, like in a minute, explain why Captain America would beat John McClane, and then uh, and it's from coming out Die Hard. From Die Hard, I went up against. Now I we. Did did all the debates basically just in case. So I went up against John McClane, Abraham Lincoln, Admiral Adama, <laughs> uh, the Kool Aid Man, Willy Wonka, uh, the Insane Clown Posse, and the Goonies in the, okay. in the space of the tournament. All comedians, all in costume, all and with like celebrity judges. It's well worth everybody's time. But here's what I'm promising. That hilarious. If if it if I win, it's three rounds. Okay. Like three because it's, it's the first round, then there's a second semifinal, and there's a final one. You know, I did all nine already, but like they'll release the three for every round that I pass because it's done by like audience votes. I'm okay. Get a progressively larger Captain America tattoo on me, which is the first okay. thing I'm ever announcing it publicly is right here. So like if I win against like if if I, if I beat John McClane in round one, I'm at least getting like a fist sized shield somewhere on my body because I love Cap and okay. it was a real honor. Do you have any tattoos? Him. I have two. I have uh, a, the, my favorite band is on one shoulder and a Scorpio symbol on the other. What's your favorite band? Uh, Air Supply? LMNOP. Okay. E L E M E N O P Y. LMNOPmusic.com. And they're local here to LA. And I, I'm sort of big on these sort of novelty tattoos where, like, right. I 
make a statement like this, like I'll get a tattoo if I win. So (laughs) the band got off stage at a show, and I'm like, I love you guys. Like, eh, nobody loves us. I'm like, I'd get a tattoo of you. And like, no, you won't. And a month later, I was getting a tattoo live on stage of the band's faces. These are two adults who are still about, that look exactly like this tattoo. (laughs) And it's now the cover of one of their albums. And I'm like, but they were getting, so in fact, every time I got a tattooed, I had to get touched up. The band came and played the tattoo shop. So the music was always playing when I got it done. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so people should go to the Nerdist YouTube channel, and then it's going to start airing in June. I believe so. And you're June the first July. one. And I'm, I'm first round is myself versus John McClane, uh, and then also the, the first round also contains Asterios Coconos, friend of this show. Oh my God! As yes. Admiral Adama versus Abraham <laughs> Lincoln. So it's a trap. <laughs> okay. Well, now you have been, uh, you're full of dorky goodness, Rangers. Uh, you know it. Thank you so much for listening in, and we'll talk again next week. Talk to you then. Bye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we. You. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?